Marini's Media. Hello and welcome to the Totally Scottish Football Show in association with Paddy Power. Coming up, you can't touch this. Rangers tell Leeds Rhymes not for sale. And could it be no more Morelos? All things unwell at Motherwell. They are one of three sides without a win so far this season. And we have a full week of fixtures to look back on for the first time since the opening weekend. I'm Andrew Slavin, and not only am I joined by The Telegraph's JJ Bull, but it's a welcome return to my sister from another mister, Tartan Army's finest, Laura Brannan. Hello, it's good to be Hello. back. Properly <laughs> this time, not just for a 10 minutes Properly here. Properly, for the full show. In JJ, the house. How are you? Yes, I am also good. It's nice to be a three, a trio. Ah, to complete wonderful. the triangle. I don't know what I'm trying to say. It's nice. Yes, we are full force. It's been a long time, hasn't it? Yes. It's been quite a while. Let me let me kick things off because um, five games into the Premiership season so far for most teams, uh, why is nobody scoring a lot of goals? <laughs> Seems to be a slow start. It's a uh, it's kind of what we've seen across Europe actually in the uh, post like uh, lockdown return to football. So there's a lot. It's a lot slower. But there's um. A f- a few reasons, maybe one's the crowd, and maybe they're not running that little bit extra that maybe some teams were, which causes mistakes in defence. But also, um, teams just won't be able to press as much just now because they've not been able to work up full match fitness, so they're not be able to to play, basically play the way they want to. There's a bit of the, a lack of uh, match sharpness. You can see it in some of the decision making and passes uh, from certain teams, and some of the managers have talked about it as well. Derek McInnes, Neil Lennon, uh, I think Stephen Gerrard's even spoken about it. They'll take a few games for their teams to get up and rolling. And uh, I think teams like Motherwell, I think especially, will once they've had a few games under, will pick it up. But another thing is that I think in these um, crowdless games, a lot of the games depend and they hinge on the technique of individual players. Mm. And uh, there are lots of talented players in the Scottish Premiership. <laughs> but <laughs> some teams that rely on things like hooking it into the box and going off second balls, they don't they don't have that same roar from the crowd and maybe that affects it too. But it's the yeah, same thing sure. happened in Germany and England I, as well. I saw, I saw um, we got a tweet, or I got a tweet, I think you were in that as well, JJ. Dr Grant Campbell, who has a few questions before, he said, excluding the St Johnston-Hibernian game, which is now over, that win for Aberdeen against Livingston on Sunday meant that just over half of the first 26 games in the SPFL season have been won either 1-0 or 2-1 so far this season. Get it on your coupon. (laughs) (laughs) I I think the fans, it might sound daft to suggest lack of fans can have such an impact, but I think it has. It feels flat, and I think Mm. I talked about this last time, but it's just, there's something about, and it's as simple as maybe like when there's a shot on on goal and you, you come close, and maybe it goes out for a corner, gets deflected out. And the, the crowd normally, that's when they're right behind you and there's a big roar and it fires mm. everyone up and you see the players reacting to each other and shouting. And it doesn't really feel like it's it's got that same oomph behind it right now. If maybe a, a, a attempt is saved, everyone just kind of runs back. Yeah, I know what you mean. To start again, whereas normally you get that big surge. And I just feel like that's... When we get that back again, I think there's going to be such a difference. I think it's going to fire the boys up even more. But Mark well, Reynolds was on the TV and he said that uh, as a player, you'd notice that when you come out to this for the start of the game, as obviously you, there's no like big roar and there's not the same atmosphere. But once you're playing, you kind of forget about it straight away. Yeah, I think definitely I agree with Laura. There'll be bits where you don't get the same swing of momentum that you might get and you can't be carried by that kind of that feeling you've got in the ground. But I think a lot well, of players just concentrate on the game. 
there's still passion on the field because we saw that at the end of the St Johnston game but we will talk about that in time so let's start the show because we'll be talking about this weekend's results and making sense of them we'll also be looking ahead to Steve Clark's squad because he's naming that on Tuesday and we'll also get the inside track from Easter Road and how they're getting fans safely in ahead of September but first we're going to start on the blue side of Glasgow Totally Scottish Football Show with Andrew Slaven. Listen to it totally ad-free via The Athletic. Only half clear, Jack, for Kent. Barisic for Ruth! And there is Kimar Ruth's first Rangers goal! Rangers remain top of the table and unbeaten after a 2-0 win over Kilmarnock thanks to goals from new signing Kamar Ruth and the much-wanted Ryan Kent. But the headlines- Ross. Is it? Oh yeah, it is because the kit man called him Roth. Two Fs, one O. I like that. Yeah, <laughs> I, did, I did like how somebody said, "If what Jimmy Bell calls you, you go by what Jimmy Bell decides that you're going to be called. You don't mess with, with Jimmy Bell." Well, despite the, that mistake, um, it was really being you know the big talk ahead of this game was that Morelos was nowhere to be seen on the team sheet. Uh, Stephen Gerrard left him out, and he also said it was quite an easy decision. Do we think that's going to be the end of his his career at Rangers then? <laughs> I feel like we've been asking this question for exactly. months and years. Uh, but <laughs> the fact the that the fact that he's was? not in the team now, what does that do to his price tag? Are they going to sell him for for less? No, they just won't sell him. I think they're just trying to make sure that the club has the power, which is probably the right thing to do. Um, his head's been turned, as Gerard said before. The offer's not come in because there's all that um, transferness. That's a word. Uh, going on with Jonathan, what's his name? Jonathan something, who went to Lille because Lille were after him, mind. So uh, yeah, so that's not happening now. But maybe he wants to get out. He's obviously knows he's a good player, but you have to work hard against Steven Gerrard's team. And now he's got the boy uh, Roof, who I thought was really good in this game, and Iten, who Cedric. is yeah, Cedric. That's a lovely first name, isn't it, for anyone? <laughs> See, for when we're on a Manila, so that's unsuccessful Leo bid, right? And it was, what, about the talk of around 16 million. Has he now seen that? And it's, has that gone to his head? Now he's seen a figure. And I know, obviously, the press have been floating around numbers for mm. months and months on end now. But now that that has became almost a kind of factual thing, is he, has that went to his head and he's kind of, I don't know, like... Maybe just checked out. Because like, like, you know he wants to move, right? Well, that's so. the thing. Like, see, in any job, in any profession, if you <laughs> are, if you're mentally done with that job, is there any way back for you? Well, maybe, or maybe you're right. Maybe he does look like, at the price tag and go, "Well, how much do you want for me to go?" Because maybe he wants a new challenge. I don't know. I mean, I don't think he's he's certainly not achieved what he would have wanted to achieve at Rangers. But not yet, but there's still time. But then the other one was there, like Ryan Kent was linked to the move away, the leads. They wanted to put it, I think it was ten million was meant to be the rumoured bit. He's he seems to have got better over the summer break. Wait, mm. it's summer now. Yeah, he's he's looking um quite sharp and a few lovely turns and touches in this game. He might be coming as important as Gerard thought he would be. Well, three goals already this season and he got seven for all of last season. Yeah. I, I mean it feels like Kent is probably one of the most if not the most valuable player right now for Rangers. Well, I think Barisic. I think he's brilliant. Him too. <laughs> well, what did we think of this game against Kilmarnock anyway? Because obviously Roof got um, things going for them. I think it was Barisic who got the assist as well. And then Ryan Kent also 
you know, doubled the advantage. It, it felt like it was all Rangers in this game because Kilmarnock didn't even get a shot on target and only had 25% possession. Oh, is, yeah. that, like, is that kind of to be expected when you travel to Ibrox? I think so. You've got... Uh... Killy are just so lacking in everything. Like they can, they can defend well. We know that's what they can do, but that's not. They're all set up to to defend with two banks of four and then just try and get something out of them. But they've not got enough pace width. They don't really have anything particularly troubling up front. They like them lumping that kind of bottom half of the table teams in. But yeah, I mean that's that's how lots of teams set up against Rangers. It's this, this, the way to do it. Try and block them down, make them slow. That's how. They, who's it? Drew them in Livingston was it? Rangers drew right? with Livingston. Yeah, nil nil. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, that's, that's that's the same thing. You 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 make them make it hard for them to break you down, and hopefully you can get something to break. If not, you get a point, and a point is very very valuable against Rangers. But you said, I mean, you said about Roof having quite a good game in this. I, I really enjoyed his movement for the first goal, purely mm-hmm. because he he kind of read that the ball was going to come. I don't know. It's one of those kind of strikers' instincts thing. The ball goes out to Barisic, and he could either flight it in, or he played it across the deck, which he did, and he. He just decided to move back, and it was the perfect kind of movement for for that goal. I think he's going to prove to be a really clever striker for Rangers. Yeah, I agree. He's really good. Yeah, really good movement. I agree with that. Positioning. It's, um, I think next level players they they do things off the ball that uh, good players don't do. And uh, mm-hmm. Roof is de- definitely managing to get himself into positions where he could be on the ball or like the goal he scored and the header he hit, hit the post. I think jumped across the defender. Really good movement again. I think I agree. He's gonna he's gonna score some goals. Many. <laughs> uh, well, Kilmarnock take on Dundee United next um, Which I saw in the last two meetings back in 2015 Collated 12 goals So it could be a goal fest, who knows um, But Rangers are going to face Hamilton next weekend Who'll be riding high after their win in the Lakshire Derby Sorry Laura Mimnot To Odoffin Hamilton take the lead with five minutes to go Hakim Odoffin Up from centre-back Gets his first goal in Scotland and his first goal for Hamilton Ackies in the Lanarkshire Derby. Hamilton 1-0 win over Motherwell, leaving Stephen Robinson's side winless after five matches, whilst the Ackies got their first points of the season. It was Hakeem Madoffin's 86th-minute goal, the difference between these two sides. And the one thing that I think a lot of people have picked up on and I'll point this to JJ because, Laura, you work for Motherwell. (laughs) Um, Stephen Robinson said in his post-match interview that somebody at some stage has to step up and score goals, challenges the players. How many balls does David Turnbull have to put into the box for someone to get on the end of it? So he's saying Turnbull's had a good game, but maybe not everyone else. I keep claiming bad luck. I think that runs out after a while. I'm boring myself with that. And I think he also said along the lines of, if I can't fix things, Someone else is going to have to fix it. But I thought I thought he said. Um, so I read this as him saying, if uh, someone's not going to step up, basically, I'm going to have to get someone else in who can. And it's. I think he's, he seems like frustrated that he's not bank, backed financially to bring in a striker that's going to take him to the next level because that's clearly something mm. they, that they want to have. I don't know if Lauren know anything about this, but this is the problem with teams like Motherwell just now. They've got all the possession, um, like dominate games, but are not creating shots from like from close range to score. And I don't know whether it's a lack of like, w- what it is, whether the, the strikers, he, he, I think he questioned their desire to get into the positions to try and like put themselves in dangerous positions, to, I mean, as in physically dangerous to their own health, like where, where it's going to hurt, <laughs> that kind of thing. I guess what, you need a striker who's a bit mental, right? And maybe the ones he's got are a bit nice, and that's why uh, Chris Long was the one at Everton, wasn't he, in his youth? 
Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I like I like Chris Long as well. Me I too. Think he's but, decent. You yeah, know, hit double uh, figures last season, but um, and I think they have brought in a striker as well, Laura. Yeah, so Callum Langs came in as well, mm-hmm. um, and obviously just in terms of wide players, Jake Casey's came in, and also Tony Watt, who came in at the end of last season, didn't really get a chance at run of things, obviously because of what happened. So mm-hmm. what happened? Well, with, I mean, <laughs> yeah. with coronavirus. Oh, of course. That thing. In February, Motherwell had a run of a crazy amount of games um, and it was a case of he didn't really get a chance to come in and really make an impact because it was just fixture after fixture, no real time to kind of bed him in in training um, and really kind of change his shape accordingly around him. And then, obviously, football shut down. So it kind of feels like he's also one of the kind of newer boys trying to fit into the system. But, mm. um, no, I mean, when you look at it on the face of things... I think a lot of people might look at it and say, God, they've not really changed the squad that much. But see, when you actually look at the starting eleven, a lot has changed from last season. So there's going to be a lot of kind of moving around, time will take to get this right because the likes of Callum Lang's obviously coming up, up top, Jake Case, as I mentioned, um, Tony Watt as well. But there's also guys like Jordan White is so new to things, Ricky Lamy at the yeah, back, Steve O'Donnell at the back. And then you look at boys that have also, that have been there before but are now playing regularly. So David Turnbull's back. Trevor Carson's obviously back in the, in the team now because Mark Gillespie's left. And then there's also boys like Sherwin Seedorf who has probably looked like one of the most promising players in the squad this season and has grown so much compared to his performances last year. Um, I think he's one of the more positives to take from Evans just kind of clicked right now for him in training. So even when you look at this, the team from last year, there's so much that you can go, right, there's, there's changes here and it's going to take a while for that to all kind of... Definitely. Well, they're really I mean, young I mean, as well. Is one really important point. I think that they've got the, uh, according to Y Scout, they've got the, the second lowest average age of, of any team. I think it's team might be squad, uh, which is relevant because with young players you get inconsistency. Like Lang's just new into the club and he's also twenty one, like very young. So they get to get bits like that. And they're definitely one of the teams that we're talking about at the start that, uh, that are maybe a bit rusty and they need to get that. Um, like get themselves right up to to speed, and the team below Motherwell of the average age is Hamilton. Actually, yeah, I, 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 I don't want say. to. I, I mean, I don't want to like sound like I'm making excuses, and that's definitely what I'm doing. But I, I kind of wanted to raise a point of, and this is for any club really at this time, the the restrictions just now because of the COVID protocols and stuff. Mm-hmm. A lot of the boys are split between several changing rooms on a daily basis, and it means that if a team like Motherwell who have got a lot of signings coming in new boys aren't mixing with each other and they're not getting to know each other as quickly as they might have. Nobody had a, a pre-season trip away this year where you'd normally have a week in a hotel together. So it's taken a long time. So for example, and this is just me plucking names out of nowhere right now, but say for example, Tony Watt is in one dressing room and new boy Nathan McGinley is in another one. They might not speak to each other on a, a friendship level and just getting to know each other level and they only know each other really on the training ground. Like That's on the really pitch. interesting. Yeah, yeah, I'd never so even thought of that. It's, really it's things point. like that. And it's something that our boys at Motherwell have, have taken into their own hands recently um, in the last week or so where they've went to like the management and said, look, we want to get like a games room. We want to get somewhere, like a social area. Because we want the Motherwell version of Soul Bar. <laughs> because obviously, like, that's the thing. Boys aren't even allowed to go out now to go and say, oh, let's go for a coffee or let's go and have lunch. Because I'm not allowed to do that anymore, there's nowhere for them to really socialise and hang out. So this will... Hopefully, in time, we'll see boys just get to know each other on and off the pitch a bit better. Maybe, because they, they, they still play good football. It's just that missing ingredient of finding the back of the net. But we have to praise Hamilton because, yes. you know, 
we we haven't we haven't given them much of a chance this season. But once again, this you is haven't. The thing they do. They always. Yeah, I haven't. Sorry, sorry, JJ. I don't remember you singing the praises too much. So they're going to finish tenth. That's this great. is this is what they, they do it again. They come up with a result that's that's totally out of the blue. And also, funnily enough, Hamilton's reserve thumped Motherwell's reserve six one last Monday, um, and Regan Mimnor was on the score sheet for that. And lo and behold, he gets a, an assist in this game. And it's it's the it's the youth again, providing providing all the quality for for Hamilton. Some um, really good young players in that team. I was also well, delighted the boy Adolphin because uh, he missed that. He missed a really good chance inside six yards. I think it was from a corner. From a, from a Mimnor cross again. That's the one, yeah. And he put it just wide and then to score that. It's his first senior goal he's yeah. ever scored. Yeah, Didn't he look... And I like, I like how then there's no crowd, but he still runs off towards the crowd. <laughs> uh, it's so funny when players do that. Like they must grow up as little boys or little girls and boys and they're growing towards a crowd that's not there in their garden. And then they're actually on a full, like a proper pitch doing the same thing. Lovely stuff. It certainly felt like second half Hamilton were the, the better team with with the, much of the better chances. Yeah, um, I think it was but, kind of about well the, the two see the two subs that came on was it um, Calm Smith and this boy Mimlo you're talking about he's, they came on about what seventy minutes or so and it felt like the last fifteen minutes it was all Hamilton and up until mm. then it was Motherwell were dominating and it was a case of when rather than if they were going to score mm. and then for that last 15 minutes it just completely changed and um, the two of them coming on made such a difference well it's going to be much harder for Hamilton in their next game because they play Rangers we'll look forward to that one Motherwell are also in Europa League action Laura you must be looking forward to this because they face Glen Torren um, of Europe <laughs> which is also I think is that is that close to home for Carson goalkeeper uh, yeah so it's actually quite interesting that um, he was talking about this recently his granddad um, used to play for them mm. uh, so he's got kind of family connections there um, and as a result I think he's, his grandma's like always been a big fan and he's kind of talking about the connection between the clubs so it's kind of a shame that his granddad won't be able to come over and actually see the game which is what he would always have he'd always kind of come over for the, the mother games whenever Trevor was playing um, so, considering the connection there, it's a bit of a shame. Two matches down, four to go. We're going to chat to Mirren's draw with Ross County next. This is the Totally Scottish Football Show with Andrew Slaven. Listen to it totally ad free via The Athletic. Stuart racing onto that slack ball, and he's been absolutely melted. By Joe Shaughnessy. <laughs> That's how Jamie Lyle called Joe Shaughnessy's red card on sports scene as St Mirren in Ross County drew 1-0. There was also another great uh, commentary line from, from Lyle when he said, uh, I think Ross Stewart had a, clearly beat Richard Tate to the, to the ball in the air um, and it just went over the bar or whatever, but he said, uh, Ross Stewart has Tate on toast. <laughs> that was funny. That, that's one of those footballisms. I think Michael Owen started that. The having someone on toast. I'm sure he really? started that on Champions League. Yeah, he started saying things like because there's things like send them for a hot dog because I assume comes from America. <laughs> but having having them on toast. Is, oh my god! Take on toast is good though. Alliteration. I agree. I do um, like that. I was sure Saint Mary would win this a one nil, and if they hadn't had Joe Shaughnessy sent off for that, I mean, what the hell was he doing? <laughs> I, I don't even know why. I don't know why Jim Goodwin um, defended him. Really, he, he obviously had. He admitted he hadn't seen it. Um, he's right. In, he's right behind it when it happens. It's like I'm lying with a dugout. Uh, but, but maybe he, just because it was a fifty-fifty. You got to go in, and he likes players that go in hard. And Shaughnessy's gone in full-blooded, 
but also with full attack mode. And he's lucky they didn't send the guy into outer space. It's knee height. It's knee yeah. height. Anything that's straight knee leg. height is dangerous. Yeah. It's an absolute straight red card. I'm sure he, he said he would, if if he saw it and he, and he disagreed with himself afterwards, he would say so um, next weekend, which um, I don't yeah. know why you would ask him about it. Nobody needs to know that he's got that <laughs> It's all news, mate. Yeah, it's done. Exactly. Um, but in, t- in terms of the full match, Ross County must be quite disappointed because after that red card they get the equaliser but they don't find a winner. But that's just that just goes to show how good St Mirren are defensively. I I think Ross County should be disappointed with this to be honest. Mm-hmm. Uh, they've started off very strongly. They're proven to be a very difficult team this season. Um, they're third third in the table. table. I mean, it's very early to be looking for, at the I mean, table. I, I, I get that it's very early days, <laughs> but for Ross County to be up there at this stage is, is brilliant for them. I, if I was a Ross County fan, I would be feeling frustrated to be playing against a team like St Mirren who are equal, I'd say, roughly. You'd, you'd expect them to be at least a match for them in, in most games. But when they're not up against 10 men, they should be they should be taking all the points there. There's a lot yeah, of teams that are kind of equal though, isn't it? It's part of the, the problem. Well, not the problem, it's, sort of, it's what makes the league quite interesting is you can never really tell what's going on. Um, my boy, Abika, again... On the score oh sheet, boy. he's a tidy <laughs> player. I do like Ibika. I know he's not the best player in the entire league by some margin. <laughs> but, I hovered but over putting him in my fantasy team as well. So when I heard the goal go in, I was like, oh! <laughs> well, Richard Tate, Richard Tate has done so well since he's gone to St Mirren that on who scored, he is, I think he's the fifth um, highest rated or highest performing player. In the league. But did you see his his goal line clearance? Oh, it was brilliant! I mean, oh, not yeah. only has he scored an over um, a diving header in the, this season so I far, think... he's, he defends like that, and he's like what in his thirties. He shouldn't be able to he's stretch 30, like that. Yeah. <laughs> I think after the first game of the season, I joked with you because you were like, "Oh, I've got retro tape in my fantasy," and I was saying, "Yeah, but that's his one goal of the season, so you've you've peaked <laughs> with the points there." But that yeah. goal line clearance was brilliant from him. <laughs> I should, I'm going to point out a um, good signing for St Mirren uh, came in this week. guy called Christian Dennis from Notts County. He's a good striker. I think he, he could do all right at this level. I think in the last four four seasons, he's scored about 50 goals. What league? Was he National League, was he? Yeah, he was National League last season, yeah. and but he was League 2 for about three years. Once, the season with Notts County when they did get relegated, but he did yeah. hit double figures. And um, Chesterfield as well. Where he scored almost twenty goals, I think that season, and he also had a good good year at Macclesfield. So his his goals ratio was really good over the last five years. What sort of player is he? He's he's a bit of a poacher, but he's got he's got good movement. He can he'll, he'll be a fox in the box. That's what I would say. So um, him and, and, and I think Abika up front. Do you think? I or? think he'll be the main partner for Obika because I think right. Junior Marais has had a good chance already this season, and he's you know hitting a barn door. So who knows. <laughs> I would I would play Dennis once he's match fit. I would play Dennis and Obika for sure. It would be interesting. I do think St Mirren good wins put a good St Mirren team together there. But next for both of these sides, St Mirren are up to St Johnston and Ross County travel to Livingston. Brown leads it off to Christie. Tries his luck again. Denied once more. It's another good save. Might break down to Edward. Back again, and it has found its way in. Albion Ayeti. On his Scottish Premiership debut, breaks the hearts of Dundee United. Off to Dundee now, but we're going to talk Dundee United, because there's no Sky Sports mistakes on this show. Uh, new signing Albion Ayeti scored the only goal in Celtic's victory over newcomers Dundee United in Celtic's first league fixture for, fixture, fixture for 13 days. But it took them a while. Uh, Dundee United are some workhorse of a side these days. We've, we've spoken about it before, but it, it took... 
until the 83rd minute for the deadlock to be broken. And I think they were unlucky not to get something from this game. Does anyone disagree yeah. with me? No, no, yeah, I'm, no, I'm really impressed with Dundee United this season. They look, they're, they're really, really well coached. You can see it in, um, especially in transition to like through defensive transition when they get back into shape that like we've mentioned a couple of times so far. I think Jamie Robson's been doing really well on the left. I think uh, Reynolds, we know about Reynolds from what he used to do when he was at Aberdeen, like a solid defender, like really reliable, leads well. But Connolly just looked desperate to keep everything out of the, out of the net. Like mm. he when it, when the goal finally went in, he fell to earth like no. <laughs> if you watch the replay, you see him like start like you know when um in Smash Brothers when Donkey Kong does that like smash with both hands. That's what that's what Connolly does as he goes to ground. He's so annoyed at that goal going in because he'd put so much yeah. into um, stopping it, and it's the one time they lost their man. And also, you have to any time you play Celtic Rangers, Aberdeen, or well, maybe not Aberdeen, but um, <laughs> you need you need a good performance from. Uh, from your goalkeeper and Benjamin Segrist seems to be a, a good addition. This is yeah, a guy who was also playing good. National League not not too long ago. But I read that he won the he won the World Cup for Switzerland under 17s. So he's only you know, and he's been the deputy to the Swiss international goalkeeper who is I can't remember the Jan name. Jan Sommer? No, not Jan Sommer. But it doesn't matter. He had a great game. Um, I think he was very good. I, I had this game on as I was working because it was just after our game finished yesterday. So I had, I was working away on my edits, but it was on the side and it just felt like it was secret save after save. Um, <laughs> and he was just doing so well. But I think in general, Dundee United, they've just, they've looked very well set up this season. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I feel like the, the effort and the work rate has been increased as well. They've, they've definitely shown their premiership quality once again. Um, and I think it's always kind of a good sign when you when you lose to a team like Celtic or Rangers and you feel very frustrated by it and in a way of we should have Absolutely. got a draw there. I think that's a really good sign for them and the, for the fans to come away and I've kind of seen a few of them talking about how they were so proud of their team and they felt they did so well and it's just a frustration rather than an anger and I think that's a really good sign for them. Do you know where else to see the, the coaching come in? Is It's really controlled, uh, I think you call it like controlled aggression and the way they press. So that, I mean, they're not going to press Celtic high all the time because that's kind of inviting you know them to cut through you with passes. But as soon as the ball would go into an area that they had shown it to, as in like you can block the middle of the pitch and show it wide, then they double up there so that the player has to go back. And uh, yeah, everything about it is obviously being coached and... Uh, is is meant to be there, and I, I, like uh, sort of everything to sum up everything we said, they just look desperate to defend very well. And if they're building the foundation of this team on not conceding goals, uh, that's probably the right thing to do in this league. Yeah, I, I mean, I think I think it's I really enjoyed. As well. Yeah, um, I really enjoyed sports scenes analysis of of United and how they. Sean Maloney's great, could, isn't he? Yeah, I really enjoyed it. And we said before we started recording the podcast, he talks like a coach. It's almost yes. like he's teaching you, which is really interesting. But I how try and defend that. from the front. He's good. Yeah, but um, credit to Stephen Frail really because I, I have I, I've known Mickey Mellon for quite a long time, not personally, but I've followed his career for a while, and yes. he's very much a man manager in terms of a coach. I think that he must lay that down to that. The credit has to go to Stephen Frail, his assistant who he brought in, I think he was in Ireland before he came back over to Scotland. Um, so it must be a thing of his where he's just got a good defensive mind. Um, and I think they both <laughs> played together back in England, but there you go, there you go. Uh, one thing for Celtic fans they should pay attention to, um, but they'll already know, is that Champions League duty this week. Ferenc Varos are the champions of Hungary, and they're also nicknamed the Green Eagles. There you go. 
bit of info for you. Uh, but just Sunday's fixtures to go now in our review of the weekend. You're listening to the Totally Scottish Football Show from Muddy Knees Media and The Athletic. Here's Hedges, wonderful move, Scott Wright with a chance and the finish. That's a lovely goal from Aberdeen. The first of Sunday's fixtures saw the McCrory derby as Aberdeen back up their midweek win over St Johnston with another win this time over Livingston, thanks to a penalty from Lewis Ferguson and a pretty good goal from substitute Scott Wright. It was a bit of squeaky bum time though at the end when Scott Pittman scored for Livingston, but the Dons were able to see this one out. JJ, you watched this one. I didn't see it, so tell me what happened. The first half is exactly the same as most Aberdeen games have been recently, where people cannot string passes together. I'm not sure they managed to string more than four in a row. And as a result, I tweeted a heat map. If you follow me on Twitter, you'll see it. Um, Pretty pretty shocking for for an elite-level premiership team. And then people obviously go on about McInnes this, McInnes that. I mean, I, I don't know how much of it needs to be coached and how much players need to take responsibility. But in the second half, changed things around a little bit. And uh, they came out just with more aggression. They pressed, they pushed up a bit higher. The defensive line was a bit higher. We're managing to stay patient on the ball, a bit of composure. Like things that you, you can't really coach composure on the training ground once you go to the pitch when you're in the in, in-game sure. situation. You can't really coach it, right? It's just that how you react. So these players need to step up. And uh, but the funny thing was you had like Andrew Constein on Cocoms <laughs> basically disagreeing with every decision that McKinnis so was on making. on Red TV. <laughs> yeah, on Red TV. Scott Wright was playing really well. He, he was playing in that 10 role, which is what it's kind of like what Pollock used to do, actually. Like you, so you're not rather than being a Raquel May passer, you're, you run with the ball. And okay. uh, that made a lot of the difference. Livy were, I mean, having to defend an awful lot of the time. There's an ice cream van here now. Do you want ice cream? Wait for this. <laughs> 99. 99. Yeah. 99. With hundreds, they're okay they didn't really offer too much they had some good chances at the end but I think that's because like, the thing I was saying about Constein is that uh, McInnes took right off and started putting on more uh, well, it's like like Ojo Funso Ojo came on who uh, <laughs> I think he's passed forward once in the, this entire season uh, he, I, mean, I think he's just trying to make him like Ryan Jack Mark 2 but I'll wait and see before I start slagging him off they, they brought in they brought in the new guy Marley Watkins um, yeah he did okay how yeah. did he get on Fine, he was he's holding up the ball well. Uh, he almost scored at the end. He did he did okay. He looked quite he looked quite fit, like he's got a lot of stamina. I think uh, the thing about Aberdeen, right, is no matter how bad they play, McInnes has put players together just know how to get over the line, and that's I mean that's three points. So from what looked like a pretty bad start of the season, that's already what's six points is it out of three games, two to play. One's against Celtic, so that's going to be a loss anyway. Livy just like I think we predicted this to start of the season. Livy. Aren't doing as well as last season. I'm not mm-hmm. really sure what the huge differences other than just they don't have Lawless and now Dykes. What a difference well, does like, that, two does that and they, they normally start seasons well. Um, oh. So this is a bit. They've they've obviously had this transfer saga over Dykes, and that's now over. I think he scored and got two assists in a in a friendly uh, this week as well. I, I just don't know what's going to happen to Livingston. I know they've brought in Anthony Stokes, who's back in Scottish football. Um, but I don't know if that's going to be a great signing because I think he's 32 um, he's been out of the UK for quite a while who knows who knows maybe they're just bringing back <laughs> like Celtic players out of the UK. like Effie Ambrose <laughs> I was, what was it the Ran League he was playing on is that right uh, Ran he was a tractor boy yeah he was a tractor boy one right. of the famous tractor and boys he's yeah. come back I don't know I, I think a lot of Stokes issue is his mentality 
I think if he is switched on, then that makes a big difference to his ability and his, his performances. But see if he's not mentally on it, if he's not up for it. He, it's almost like he comes across as a lazy player. Well, they've brought in this other lad, Lars Lokoc. I might be pronouncing that name very wrong. I like it. Um, but Gary Holt seems to think he's going to be similar to Dykes. Says he has similar properties. Properties? He's a striker. Is tall. <laughs> yeah, pretty All much. of the boxes. Aberdeen's uh, got your Anyone who doesn't know well. is that we, we had Laura Brannan on regularly in season one. And um, anytime we talked about Aberdeen... Laura used to absolutely trash Aberdeen. Um, and watching Laura's face on Zoom while JJ talks about Aberdeen was quite enjoyable. But anyway, Aberdeen are in Europa League action on Thursday. Yes. They play NSI Runovic of the Faroe Islands, who um, won only their third European tie in 27 games because they beat Barry Town. And I'm gutted that Aberdeen won't play Barry Town because there's not going to be many mentions of Barry Town on this programme but it should be an easy one eh JJ? No they'll find a way to make it hard it'll be, <laughs> it'll be brutal to watch and they'll maybe find a way to win I mean, it'll be like a team full of postmen and, and whatever else not that there's anything wrong with Teachers. postmen if you're a postman yeah. please keep listening but yeah I'm sure uh, <laughs> just pass the ball keep it on the f- ground like it's easy anyway Final match of the weekend, and it was a bit of a yawn fest, let's be honest. Uh, but those of you who watched the full 90 minutes were rewarded at the end because St Johnston gave away a penalty and Stevie Mallon smashed it home like he normally does. Um, and it meant that three points went home to Hibs. But should it have been a point apiece? Because there was a moment in the first half where St Johnston put it in the back of the net. Callum Hendry, header, ruled for offside. Have you guys seen this? Yes, and he was onside. So, well onside, but it didn't count. So, <laughs> so that's um, the end of the match. What you gonna do? <laughs> well, it does uh, open the, it opens the area of like, why don't we have VAR? We know why we don't have VAR. We don't have the money for it. Yeah, um, but it was what well, we do have. Though, one. It's an easy way to replay that little clip and then work out immediately that it was. It doesn't. Yeah, I, I know it's kind of stupid. We'll be here forever. We have VAR in Scotland. However. I don't know if it was a total yawn fest. I thought it was just two teams kind of cancelling each other out. I know we talked about this earlier um, in terms of like the kind of the slow start to the season and the lack of goals and everything. But mm-hmm. it's, you know, it's actually kind of a shame because this is a time when I think fans from other countries will be watching Scottish football, considering we're in season and, like, for example, England aren't. Yeah, what a chance! It's kind of a shame that the last kind of four games have had one goal, if any. Mm. And it's maybe kind of going to leave them with the impression of, well, it's a bit of a crap league and we're kind of up here going, no, it's not. <laughs> Honestly, it'll get better and we're actually really good all the time. But it's just been really unlucky the games that have been televised. Yeah, I I, I, I still think, though, that we've, that Scotland's got... It's great. Football's football. If you enjoy football, you'll you'll still enjoy the product up in Scotland. Exactly. You introduced this one as saying they only got reward for watching it because of the goal. But I like more than the goals... Oh, of course. I, I, I mean, yeah, I just mean I'm taking it from a, a perspective of somebody who doesn't quite, like, understand Scottish football. And they might just kind of look at it from this and go, oh, yeah, it was nothing each again. Oh, that's boring. Whereas we're all like, no, this is, this is uh, awesome. Maybe, there's so much to it. I mean, there's, more about, there's more to it, I think, than if you watch, like, League One or the Championship or something like that in England. I don't know. I just I think it's a lot more entertaining, um, as I'm sure you do. But, I yeah, agree. I mean, the games yeah. they've picked have been the ones that have kind of... I just don't put St Johnson on live games. That's Plus, bear, bear in mind also that 
that very early on Sky will want to be going to as many grounds as possible yeah. to appease as many clubs as possible. So you get that out of the way so that well, before then they just camp at Celtic Park. <laughs> and then in January you just focus on a title race, you would hope. But anyway, the the the, the end to this game was pretty emphatic because penalty to Hibernian I have an issue with this penalty. I think there might have been a foul ahead of the the penalty foul, and it was God Gogic holding um, Tansa, and he and he misses the, the header. Yeah, yeah, in the box. I don't know. I, know what you I mean. don't know. See what you think. Do you, do you agree? Uh, yeah, I can see where you're coming from. I was going to say that I think Gogic has been like I thought he would be such a great signing for Hibs. He's been Agreed. really, really, really good for them for various reasons. That I mean, he's just a good player and does defensive things well. Uh, no Nisbet in this game he had a hamstring injury of sorts apparently so maybe he'll be back at some point later that's my news on Nisbet that's that section of the show Nisbet news <laughs> what did you make of Liam Craig getting a second booking at the end though I've not seen that bit what happened there um, so he got booked initially during the game obviously um, but that was, was for the penalty yeah so so it was it was him that actually gave the penalty away no it um, wasn't it was uh, Gordon Oh, so he was initially complaining away. about right, okay. So he was complaining about the, the penalty being given, but at full time after the whistle had gone, he's went up to the referee to ask for an explanation, obviously. And by the looks of it, I don't think he got what he wanted from the referee. So he's went to go to the assistant to ask him for an opinion, uh, for an explanation. And as he's w- went away towards the, the linesman, the ref has decided to book him a second time because he's just went, nah, I've had enough of this. Um, yeah, too much I don't think he was asking for this year. I think it was more um, telling. Yeah, so yeah, he got sent off at the end. But my complaint is more with this, and I think I've, I've said it for years, but I think it's more with the rule. I don't like the fact that you can book people out with the white lines and out with the 90 minutes. I, think oh, I don't know funny. about that, but your conduct on the pitch should always be um, monitored. And if yeah, you're out of order, I think it's absolutely fine. I know, but it's after the game's finished. It's quite normal for a player to go up to a referee at full time and go, well, what was the reason for this? Because they're never going to go down to their office at their, their dressing room after a game and get an explanation, so they're going to have to ask well, I think I think what's more, I think what's more um, damning is that Liam Craig's the chairman of the PFA. So, you know, someone who sets standards should also set the standard on the pitch as well. And as much as... The, the, the thing I do like about this is that we've talked about not having any fans in the ground still shows the passion to win a game of football. There's no love lost there. There's no love lost there. There's no loss of passion on the pitch, I, I think. Yeah, players are right into it. Yeah. I kind of enjoyed it. <laughs> <laughs> still to come, we're going to talk about Hibs and about how they're going to get fans back to Easter Road safely. We'll also predict Steve Clark's very good Scotland team. He's a very good manager. And we'll also squeeze in a bit of fantasy football as well. This is the Totally Scottish Football Show with Andrew Slaven. Listen to it totally ad-free via The Athletic. So Tuesday's the day that international football comes back uh, and Steve Clark is naming his squad. They have matches coming up against Israel and the Czech Republic in the Nations League. That's if they beat Israel. Um, so how many left-backs, how many holding midfielders can a squad have? Uh, JJ or Laura, you can kick us off. Whoever speaks first, who's definitely going to be in the squad? I don't think there's going to be many changes, to be honest. Um, you can obviously look at the argument that the English leagues haven't been playing for the last couple of weeks. Um, and this is essentially um, almost like a pre-season friendly for some of the boys. But when you break it down, there's not many that you would say aren't important 
Um, you're not. I mean, you're not going to leave it the likes of Andy Robertson just because he's had a few weeks off. But obviously, I think a lot of the Scottish boys are obviously going to be included. I don't think there's going to be many changes at all. If you want examples of deafness, I, Mikey Devlin was in the last squad. I don't think he's going to maybe make it this time just because. Can't even get a game for Aberdeen. <laughs> everything's going to have been happening up there. <laughs> yeah, they, should honest, avoid, they should avoid players with coronavirus. That's one of the things yeah. they should not do. <laughs> He didn't. He doesn't have coronavirus just for legal reasons, by the way. <laughs> and then you look at obviously, Lisa Shanklin's not going to be in it. He's not fit. And then there's the whole Stephen Naismith Hearts debacle that is obviously, I think, going to keep him out just based on the fact that he's not played for half a year. One of the problems will be that a lot of the English teams are on their holidays, like you were saying. So there's a lot of players that I'd imagine clubs don't want to release or who just literally aren't ready to go in. Like I can see Andy Robertson not being in the team. I mean, this, I might be proved completely wrong. But, um, Liverpool, you think Andy Robertson won't be in the team? So you don't think we're going to I can see Liverpool finding a reason. To, Liverpool will find a reason to not have their captain who needs a break to He's go just had and. A break. Pl- He's on yeah, a break right now. They just played loads of games, and then won't be it won't be there for preseason. I, I just I think Robertson wants to got, play, but I think as we've seen in the past, international matches, and he's a captain of our country. Yes, but like, yeah, I agree with Laura. I know you're saying, JJ, they might They've find done it before. a reason, but I'll be They've... absolutely aghast if 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 Andy Robertson's not in the Yeah, and if he also team. doesn't fight that as well, if Liverpool don't want to win. The other thing is that so Liverpool are playing uh, Arsenal, right? They won the Cup in the Community Shield. That's a good so, point, actually. So they're in their pre-season. It's just, um, like, I'm not saying that Andy Robertson doesn't want to go up or, that, or whatever. It's just that football clubs in the past have found it awfully easy to not let their players go... To in that to international matches when yeah, it doesn't suit the club, even I think even then it might it might happen. It doesn't really matter anyway. Like, I mean, no, I'm sorry, we've got playoffs to prepare backs. for. This is these are two very important games to build up to our massive. You playoffs. know, it's not me not calling him up, right? <laughs> you're talking to me as though I'm doing <laughs> it. You're winding me up already. <laughs> this is this is when we this is when we remember that Laura Brannan is a Scotland fan rather than a club football fan. Yeah. Um, but yeah, uh, look, I think we, we know David Marshall's probably going to be in goal. Oh, great, we're safe then. <laughs> yeah, well. well We've got no strikers but, and no keepers, that's the problem. Yeah, we have Marshall's no strikers. Right. <laughs> it's really quite scary looking at the strike right. force. We've got loads we of loads of left backs. You know James Forrest is going to play, probably, because he's been playing regularly for Celtic. Ryan Fraser should play, hopefully, but he's one of those players that you know hasn't really played much. And yeah, Naismith, the midfield is a is an interesting one for me because that's our strongest area. It's just whether or not Clark can play the team that he wants to play. If he play, if he plays the team that he wants to play, we've beaten Israel with that squad basically already. Here's hoping. Uh, but what about Lyndon Dykes? This is something that's been this is a story that's been bubbling all through the summer. Do we think that he's going to be called up? Is Lyndon Dykes going to get called up to the Scotland squad, or is Lyndon Dykes uh, has he decided he's Scottish yet? I think is the bigger question. I'm sorry, he has been talking to many, many people um, about whether he wants a call-up or not. Um, And I don't think you should have to convince anyone who's in their 20s that he's a certain nationality. If he doesn't know by now he's Scottish, then he shouldn't be getting considered. Is this based on rumour or have you actually heard something? Or xenophobia? No, no, I, no I, I've just seen the, the, the quotes um, recently about, oh, I've spoke to such and such, I've spoke to these people and it's, it feels like he's had conversations left, right and centre. Now, obviously, he might have decided weeks ago that, yes, those conversations were productive and he wants to play for Scotland, but why is it still a question? Why is he not just come out and yeah. say, yes, I'm Scottish, I want to play for Scotland, if that is so be it the well, case? Because he's probably, I mean, he grew up in Australia and he was born there, right? And so he's, he's Australian? 
Well, maybe but maybe he identifies as Australian. It depends where from where you grow up. And then he's well, his in mummy Scotland and now. daddy are from Scotland. Exactly. Yeah, but... So he probably said he was Scottish when he was growing up because that's one thing that a lot of people do. They say what their parents' nationality is. And uh, I think is... the overall point in this is that he's not actually that good. So I don't know if it really <laughs> matters anyway. Like... Thank you, JJ. Thank you. <laughs> he's all right Absolutely. in the premiership. I mean, yeah, we, we have a lot of striker issues right now, but is he necessarily the answer? I don't know. He he causes a lot, he, well, he did cause a lot of problems for teams when he played in the premiership. That's when yeah. he's past tense now. But international level, I don't know. Um, it kind of brings in the same arguments we had with Shankland. Um, yes, he's very good in the league that he played in, but is he good on an international stage is a very different question. Well, this, but the, the problem Scotland have had for years now is just an absolute out-and-out goal scorer. It's not, it's not that, that Lyndon Dykes is <laughs> That's a not our only footballer. problem for years. It's an out-and-out goal scorer we don't have. <laughs> Lyndon Dykes is not an out-and-out goal scorer. Lauren Shankland is, but yeah, you're right. You're right to call, the... call out the fact that he played in the Scottish Championship. Yeah. He's yet to prove himself in the Premiership. Yet to prove myself in the internet. Slavo, I don't know if we even need a, a goal scorer. Is that often what we needed is we play that four or five one, and then you need someone in up front to just chase the ball in the channels and lead the press. Which is why Kenny Miller did so well for so many years. Just someone like that, someone yeah. a bit daft, someone with a bit of pace. I don't think well, they have to be the goal scorer. Yeah, I mean, even when someone. you look at this, the squad as well, I, there's nobody there that I would really kind of go, I, I don't want Ollie McBurney up front. I don't think he's good enough. Um, obviously, he's playing a two, McBurney, for sure. Yeah, there's not many choices. You've got Johnny Russell, who's playing regularly just now. He played in the MLS tournament during the summer. He's now playing back in league business. He's not quite your out-and-out striker, though. Um, I, I would look at the team and go, I'd actually put Christie up front. Um, there's also that's a, what I've been saying for a long time yeah, yeah. like a false nine kind of bit I've, honestly Scott McKenna up front hit the ball long no one can near him <laughs> turn it around I, I think as everyone can probably tell we have no idea what kind of squad we're going to be looking at on Tuesday disappointment for John Sutter though he suffered a relapse of uh, of his Achilles injury that doesn't look too good for they're him they're bad injuries but, to have by the way those ones yeah really, so I mean really, look, real shame the, that Dates for your diaries, uh, Friday the 4th and Monday the 7th of September is when we see what Scotland are going to be made of. Time to chat the odds with Lee Price. Lee, since Rangers' solid start to the season, has their price to win the league come in? Well, obviously Rangers started the season as second favourites to win the league and despite their good starts to the campaign, that's where they remain. Their odds have shortened slightly from opening at 2-1 to one to now being priced at 7-5. to five. But it's Celtic that remain odds-on favourites at 4-7. And whisper it, that's probably quite good value too. Both teams are hugely odds-on to win this week. Rangers 1-7 to to beat Hamilton. Celtic 1-9 to at home to Motherwell. So we expect them to be neck and neck for some time yet. At least until after Rangers next go to Dubai. Can you get me the odds on both Motherwell and Aberdeen to make it through their Europa League qualifiers? <laughs> I've been stitched up here. Whether it's trying to pronounce Aberdeen's opponents, I'm going to go for Runovic. Or saying the odds, which are slightly extraordinary. Aberdeen and Motherwell are both odds-on to qualify. No surprises there. But here are the actual numbers. Aberdeen to qualify are 1-25. to Motherwell, 1-16. to That could be famous last words. And we'll finish on what the odds are on Celtic Hibs and Dundee all to win next weekend. Mm, yeah, three form-ish teams. Celtic, as I mentioned earlier, are hugely odds-on to beat Motherwell. They're not going to offer you value here. Hips, though, might. They are 13 to 10 to beat Aberdeen and retain their place at the top of the table uh, and give us a free horse race, at least for now, in the title race. Dundee United away at Kilmarnock, they're 12 to 5 to win that one. Add those three games together and you get just under 8 to 1, which could actually be value after all. 
Thanks, Lee. Please gamble responsibly. And when the fun stops, stop. This week, Scotland's First Minister Nicola Sturgeon announced that fans would be allowed back into stadia from September and Scotland erupted in jubilation. So what does this look like and how will you be safe going back to support your club? Well, to help us answer those questions and any worries you might have as a fan returning, we're speaking to the operations manager at Easter Road, Colin Miller. Hi Colin, I'm going to start off, it's, it's great news, we're going to be getting back into stadiums soon. Um, is this something you've been planning on for some time? Yeah, I think we've all been playing a bit of a guessing game to see um, kind of when it would happen. It's obviously kind of largely with our control. There's been an awful lot of work that went into getting Scottish football back up and running again, obviously behind closed doors where we are at the moment. But I think everyone's desperate to have fans back in at the stadium. So uh, great news last week and it really pushes us uh, kind of into gear for, for the next step. Colin, what are the actual stumbling blocks that you guys have to deal with in planning for the fans to come back in? If you think about our kind of behind closed doors game, first of all, there's been so much preparation. You're effectively redesigning the whole match day experience for everyone. Things you take for granted, like you know where they where they come in, where people go to the toilet, all all those kind of things need to be completely rethought and redesigned. So for a behind closed doors game, we're talking about 250, 300 people, which has been a challenge in itself. So now introducing supporters into the mix, you know whether that's 500, 1,000 initially. I think the big challenge is your seating deck is probably a relatively straightforward one. The areas that probably cause a lot of stress are getting people into the ground, getting people away from the ground, and kind of pinch points at, at half time and whatnot as well. We're probably spending far too much time thinking about toilets that, um, than any of us would like, but it's those kind of stress points, you know, trying to avoid queues and whatnot, is probably causing a, an awful lot of kind of thought time. And, you know, we, we put an awful lot of work into having a perfect plan and trying to second guess how people behave. And then you open the doors and uh, people always behave a lot bit differently than, than what you expect. So you're always going to be playing a bit of a learning game as well. Colin, I'm going to I'm going to pull you up for the the uh, toilet question um, that we're all we're all wanting to ask. Um, for me personally, I like when I go to football games, going to the toilet is quite a straightforward experience because there's not really many queues in the girls compared to the guys. But how are the guys' toilets going to get around this? Because seeing everyday society, like the hygiene's not the best, is it in guys' toilets? <laughs> I'll have you know the hygiene at Easter Road is second to none. Uh, our stadium is spotless. It's a significant challenge, I guess, and, and you see it in other sports where supporters kind of come and go throughout the game. You know, I think in in football and I guess Scottish football, certainly where we are, there's that intensity that you don't want to miss a minute of the action. So you very rarely have people kind of coming and going. It all gets condensed down into that 10, 15 minute spell at half time where everyone tries to squeeze in, going to the toilet, going for a cigarette and going to the kiosk for a, a pie and a bottle. So it is a significant challenge and our concourses, you know, obviously vary in size. So there's some that we probably have plenty of space to socially distance a queue, but for others we're a lot tighter. So um, we're probably going to have to have a steward on the door to, to get people in and out. We're probably fortunate in the sense that ours are all weighed out as a, a one-way system. Uh, so they're coming in and out at different, different points. But... I know, you know, we, we probably feel quite fortunate that Easter Road is a relatively modern stadium. We've got a reasonable amount of space. And so some of the, 
the kind of physical challenges that need to be overcome, we maybe don't have to the same extent as some of the other grounds that, that we're, we're all certainly familiar with. But no, it's going to be a bit of a challenge. I, I can't imagine somebody being a bit like a head teacher and um, telling people where to stand and when they can't, can't go to the toilet, but they may need to get to that. What sort of um, checks and protocols and stuff will you have for people to get in the stadium and, and bits like that? Yeah, so for, for our current stage with the behind closed doors game, we've got a kind of overarching operations plan, which is about 100 odd pages long. Um, and we've got a dozen other, dozen or so other kind of match day guides for all the different stakeholders to try and talk them through the match day experience for their own point of view. And everyone has, has their own uh, kind of way of that. So I anticipate a very frantic <laughs> few weeks trying to rewrite all of those, I guess, for, for this new scenario. And you know things always change by the by the day and by the week as well so we're kind of constantly reviewing them with every game that we've had we've had two two home league matches and a friendly match as well so we've taken a lot of learnings from from each of those and so yeah i'm expecting another 100 long page uh, document telling fans exactly what to do and what not to do but communication is going to be a such a an important part of it it's uh it's going to be a very different experience for everyone and i think it's trying to understand what people are logically going to do and going to want to do and trying to build controls into that that keep people safe. Um, but knowing that you can't ask supporters to do ridiculous things that they're never going to do, that, that seems a bit pointless and we don't want to overly sanitise, I guess, that, that environment either. Colin, this might be a very simplistic way to look at things, but I see it as the main issues are the entry and exits of fans getting in and out, which obviously I think can... You'll obviously be thinking of things like um, the fire exits, the, the big gates rather than turnstiles and things like that. Um, I think obviously you've touched on the toilets been another issue. But see, apart from that, is there many other issues if all fans were to just be in the stadium wearing masks? Because we're obviously all going to supermarkets and we're going to shopping centres and things and the only restriction is really wearing masks. So what are the, is that going to alleviate a lot of the thumbling blocks? I guess your behaviour is probably a bit, a bit different, first and foremost. I've, I've never lost an ag in the supermarket quite the same way as I've, I've lost it on the terracing. I think, and I'm not, a, I'm not a medical expert by any manner of means, but having, having people in the same, the same place for a prolonged spell of time is, I think, driving it. So what we're trying to do is, I guess, find a point where all your controls allow you to be comfortable with the risk that you're, that you're taking on. So face covering is one, hand sanitisation is another, um, social distancing, temperature checks, we're, we're probably expecting to, to have to temperature check everyone that, that comes in as well. So you're looking at a kind of range of control measures that allow you, you to, to have the comfort that what you're doing is, is safe and, and reasonable. And again, been dictated a lot by the Scottish Government and, and their tolerance for what they're allowed their headroom, I think, as they, as they refer to it quite often, as to what they feel comfortable with doing. I mean, it was only a number of months ago that people were barely allowed out of their house and people felt very uncomfortable stepping over their doorstep. So I think a big part of this is is taking supporters and, and everyone along with us. So I'm sure a lot of supporters are desperate to, to get back out there, but there'll be a lot that will be anxious as well and maybe a little bit apprehensive about finding themselves in a very kind of crowded and just a, an atmosphere or a, an environment that they've not found themselves in for a number of months. So we want to make sure that we have the confidence of, of everyone, be it our supporters or kind of wider stakeholders, that what we're doing is, is safe and um, everyone can, can go away happy. Well, best of luck in September. Hope it all goes really successfully. Hi, fingers crossed. You and me both. Colin Miller, Operations Manager at Easter Road. 
So just before we end, I've uh, got a quick little bit of time for Fantasy Football Scotland. Aberdeen are scoring again. Considine's going to be back, JJ. Is it time to get Considine back and to back Aberdeen? Don't put any Aberdeen weeks? attackers in your team. Don't do it. Oh, you Don't said you like Lucas Scott right? Yeah, but uh, Aberdeen players, the best ones to get in are the, either the goalkeeper or defenders, I think. I think clean sheets. Yeah. Basically, you can bet on Aberdeen to win 1-0 every single week, I would say. Because it seems to be, it's very Italian style of play. They get the ball and then just, they get the goal, sorry, and then just try and defend it. Um, Constantly back will probably come in at left back. I mean, the other one you could look at, if you are looking at Aberdeen players, is whoever's taking the penalties. And uh, it looks like Lewis Ferguson might be that man, because they tend to get penalties, and that's how mm. they get the 1-0 wins. So... What about you, Laura? What's, what are you looking at ahead of next week? So I've just put in Ross Stewart into my team. Uh, he replaced Lyndon Dykes for me at the weekend. A wee bit disappointing for Saturday's result, but I think he's going to do something for me in the long run. He's he a good player, Ross Stewart. I really like him. Yeah, I think... I, I'm, also... I'm going to stump for um, Regan Mimno. Just purely because he's cheap, 2.8, and it looks like he was taking all of their set pieces. So if he gets a decent run in the team, if he's taking corners, free kicks and whatnot, could possibly get some um, some assists. But Hamilton don't tend to score many goals, um, but could be worth a wee go. I stupidly left my uh, Celtic players on the bench this week and forgot to bring them in. Who the was game. that? Uh, I've got Frimpong and Cal McGregor. So that oh was annoying. Oh dear. Well, I brought in Jonathan Abika, who got me six points. And I also faced Captain Barisic as well, so I got 15 points after him. Yeah, Superb. Yeah. Uh, but that's it for today's show. We've got to finish it. Loads covered. Um, so thanks for sticking with us all the way to the end. And we'll be back next week to look at the final round of fixtures before the first international break. Thanks, JJ. Thanks for coming back, Laura. Um, there she is. <laughs> and thanks to the Little Kicks as well for their wonderful tones to get yourself an athletic free 30 day trial and be able to listen to this podcast ad free and odds free then go to theathletic.com forward slash Scottish show I'm going to jump on a plane now I'll see you in Scotland yay <laughs> or maybe London JJ yes right. bye <laughs> bye, bye. You've been listening to the Totally Scottish Football Show, a Muddy Knees Media production. For sales and advertising, please email sales at muddyneesmedia.com. Keep up to date with everything across our Totally Football Network at The Totally Show on Twitter and Insta. And be sure to check out our website, thetotallyfootballshow.com. Muddy Knees Media.